I don't know if OpenAI will do it. I don't know if Apple will do it, Microsoft, some other new startup. We don't know who's going to pull it off. Sam is smart in trying to hire the best designer of our generation. I mean, if OpenAI came out with a phone that was designed by Johnny Ive, you and I would probably try it. Before we get back to today's show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like try to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part at least, it brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer. So your go-to-market team can keep up on the pulse of accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com service to do more for your customers today. Today's show, we're breaking down the AI wearable craze. Do we all need to wear devices that record everything we say and do? Maybe. I don't know. But we are going to break down all the rumors, all the announcements, everything that's happening and impact on your business. Plus, stick around because Johnny Ive is involved in a new project to disrupt one of the most successful trillion dollar businesses around. And we want to break down that for you. I'm your co-host, Kit Bodner, Chief Marketing Officer at HubSpot. I'm joined by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan, who's the Chief Marketing Officer over at Zapier. This is Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. All right. We're coming in hot from Dublin, Ireland. We got the river in the background. Doing we're, the Dublin thing again. Yeah, yeah. I, I just had a nice little stroll down the river, met up with Kieran. We're doing a podcast because the AI wearables craze like, just kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Basically, uh, what I am seeing in the world is once somebody announced something, everybody's just like, boom, boom, boom. We're going to announce our thing that's like that. And the amount of stuff in AI wearables has been crazy. It all started... Oddly, with Mark Zuckerberg. Right. And tell, tell me your take on Zuckerberg's big product announcement. He's partnering with Ray-Ban to make AI sunglasses. Right. He is going to make an affordable AI wearable in these glasses. One of the things I think got missed in the announcement, and actually the announcement kind of got drowned out by all of these it, other yes. things. We're coming into you hot with the, with the announcement that really started it all that nobody's actually talking right. much about. It's a really affordable. I think the price of these things are like $299, maybe a little bit more, uh, but like very, very affordable. They're going to allow you to like interact in the world in a way that you have not been able to interact with the world through like traditional laptops or iPods or, or phone. It's really another push towards every person as a creator because they allow people to broadcast at all times to their audience. And they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't, like, look, they don't cool. look weird, They right? don't look weird. They look like they are just an everyday pair of glasses. And I think that's a big part of the wearables is like you're not going to ever walk around the city in Apple's vision goggles. But the Ray-Bans could just be part of your everyday fashion accessory. And actually, you could wear these things. Now, one of the things that actually happened when Google Glasses came out, I don't know if you know this, were some stories, but people got beat up for wearing these things, yes. right? Like. 
That is one people, of the humans like their privacy. And this is one of the core issues at play with this. People right? don't want to be recorded all of the time without your consent. Right. But anyway, coming back, that was the that was the announcement that I think started all of the PR battle for like wearables, because a lot of things came after that. And I, but I thought the Facebook one got lost a little bit in the noise. Well, before we go on from the Facebook thing, I think what's interesting is. They look like regular sunglasses. Right. They're not an invasive product. And I will tell you right now, if you are a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're a marketer, you're thinking about these new types of technologies as opportunities for your business, I personally believe right now that the first line of demarcation you can make is, do they require no change from the person behavior-wise, and do they look and feel normal? quote right. unquote, to today's society. If they do, they might have a significant impact. If they don't meet those criteria, they're probably like Google Glass was years ago, dead on arrival, like right. a handful of people using them, nothing that interesting. The Ray-Bans fit both of those criteria. They look like regular sunglasses, but they can do a lot more. They don't require much behavior shift from the person wearing them. And then the people around them aren't really going to see that they're this very different type of AI sunglass opposed to just somebody wearing some sunglasses, which I think, to me, of all the AI announcements we're going to talk about from a hardware perspective, the Meta Ray-Bans were the best one. Right. They're by far the best one because they're just so ingrained into the normal flow of everybody's life where, like, I, I, we got to talk about the rewind pendant. The, one, one the thing, rewind pendant's weird. We should do the rewind one. The one thing I will say that I'm fascinated by about the Facebook glasses and all of these wearable technologies is actually the shift in UX and how we actually interact with data. So if you think about what's happened over the evolution of technology, we had these big bulky computers and then we distilled them down to a laptop and then we distilled it down to like a phone and an iPad. And we've just got like easier ways to yeah. kind of inter- easier ways to uh, interact with data and interact with like the world. AI is actually changing the kind of UX experience and how we actually use technology because if you think about the Ray-Bans, you're just using natural language to interact with your apps, mm-hmm. to interact with all of the technology that you can uh, interact with behind the Ray-Bans. And I think that's a really important thing to think about for AI in general is that people are thinking about how AI makes the thing I do better. But I think there's going to be examples, and we're going to cover some of them, how AI fundamentally changes how technology works. And the experience is going to be something very different from what you're doing today. Well, right. And so there are some technology transformations that are just far better versions of the existing thing. Like, for example, like I'm reading the James Dyson biography, and he invents this brand new type of vacuum cleaner, this whole new type of technology. He goes to this existing vacuum industry. Nobody wants it because they're making $500 million a year selling vacuum bags. Right. And his whole technology, it's like, oh, I got rid of the vacuum bags. It's awesome. And they're like, well, we're making all this money, so we don't want to do this. So he goes and he launches a new business, builds this multi-billion dollar business around this new type of vacuum. But the people using the vacuum are still just Using vacuum, right? Like it's still going the exact same way. You still hit the button and you move it around the floor. You're making the opposite point, which is like, oh, sometimes there are the rare technology changes where not only is the technology way better, but how we all adopt, use, and it impacts our daily life is completely different than the previous version. And that's the, the argument we're making with AI. That's why we're talking about wearables right. to, today, because I don't know if any of these wearables are actually going to be part of day-to-day society in any meaningful way, but they're the beginning kernels of what I think will be part of our society. I, I, right? The underlying 
interaction UX experience is going to change. We're going to get into how it's going to change the phone space, the software space. I think we can touch on one more wearable, which was the rewind one. Uh, there was a really that's great- a weird. That's a, that's my my least favorite yeah. of all of them. Come on, like so. I know. And I'm said- a rewind user, by the way. I, I do use rewind. I try to use it. I'm just not good at starting getting into new apps. Do you use it like every? Day? I use it on the mobile app. Okay, and so it basically records my browsing, and so I can go back and really easy access, easily access to- browsing and screenshots and stuff, which is great. So that's what it is. Rewind. It's kind of like an AI memory, so you can kind of record your phone or computer behavior and you can go back and access it like a brain and ask it questions and and do natural language against that. But the founder, Dan, late last week on Twitter announced that they were going to launch a pendant. And it's like this little gray pendant on a necklace that you would wear around your neck. And it essentially just records your entire life. Right. And I think this device is fairly stupid. Personally, I think it is going to not be part of society. But I really appreciate all of the you wear in a wire memes that I've been seeing, which is like, hey, for, for, for decades, we hassled people for like, hey, am I being recorded? Are you wearing a wire? And it's like people are just going to wear public recording devices all everywhere all the time. That feels like too much of a behavior. I, I will take me. the opposite end of Ooh, that spectrum. Go. I think for, go. maybe for our generation, it's too much of a stretch. I think that there is a generation who are coming up and maybe teenagers now who are used to having their entire life broadcast across social platforms, the Facebook. But this is recording, not broadcasting. That's actually actually my challenge on it is the inherent value to the human when it's recorded. They're recording with their phones. Like they're constantly recording other people within their, you know, their their worldview is like, I can record whatever I want, right? Totally. And um, this is not that much, like, do I believe we're going to a point where, an entire person's life can be cataloged, indexed, and retrievable? Yes. 100%. 100%. Which is going to be a basic. Uh, do I believe that there is going to be a lot of turbulence to get there, and there, we're going to have a lot of people beating other people up <laughs> <laughs> for these wearable pendants? Maybe. AI uh, adoption up, yeah. fights up. Fights up. <laughs> fights up. Like, I, I would be incredibly uncomfortable to go out, uh, not that I really go out at nights anymore, but <laughs> I went do, for- You don't even leave your house. What are you talking about? I go about? for dinners and have a glass of red wine. If you I was do. at a good dinner, okay, glass right, of red fair, wine fair. in hand, would I feel comfortable at that dinner having the same interactions with people- If you do if it, always was, being yeah, recorded. always being recorded, right? Um, so drop, drop a comment on the YouTube. What would you do if you were at dinner and somebody was wearing a pendant, pendant that was recording the entire thing? But I will tell you what this is a great example of, and there's a good marketing lesson for our audience here. I don't know if it matters to rewind if this is a success or not. <laughs> it does not. I think what matters is this is an incredible PR. They moment. got they, Look, they've sold like 1,500 pendants, right. I think, like as of like two days ago when I saw Dan's most recent update, which is not nothing. Right. And, but they've gotten, to your point, a ton of publicity, ton of, press. ton of publicity, and it's probably helping them stand out from the crowded pack of AI applications that are out there competing right now. And it actually reinforces their brand story. Like your important information should be retrievable, should be indexable. Their actual desktop app, I actually wanted to use it, but it has a, like a lot of, if you're using your work laptop, there's a lot of legalities to get over to, to use that app. But it actually ties into their brand strapline. It ties into their vision of the company. I do think there's something in that for all of us as marketers in terms of sometimes you should just launch a feature 
because it reinforces <laughs> totally. the product vision, reinforces, reinforces like, the even company if this vision. Even isn't a real long-term year. thing, yeah. it tells everybody what we're about. What we're about. It's, a, it's a much better way of showing versus telling kind of the core value prop that they're trying to provide, which is to be kind of the, the outsourced brain and memory of your life, right. right? The thing I would say that I think that all of these early AI wearable announcements are also missing all except the meta glasses. I did not think I was going to be the biggest fan of the meta glasses of all, all of these because you also have the humane pin. There's a bunch of things. What's the that, backpack? Oh, the Microsoft, backpack. Microsoft has also filed a patent for an AI backpack. So like a smart backpack that I think can do a whole host of things in terms of analyzing its use, record, basically be a wearable from a bag and backpack perspective, which is early, just a patent thing for Microsoft, but, but it's interesting. But the, the point I want to make here, Kieran, it was in your disagreement with me on, will people be okay recording? You thinking the generation below will be okay with it. I think you might be right, but you're only gonna be right if they're going to get very discreet value. And I do not think what I would call single player mode is enough value where, you know, the rewind pendant or the humane pin or some of these other wearables, it's like, Oh, me as the person using it, I'm the only one that gets benefit from that. Whereas if I'm wearing it, the people around me or people I'm connected to on social networks, if they got value from it, then it's going to become much more socially acceptable. And you're going to create a flywheel of adoption. I think that's one of the things we've learned in the last 10 to 15 years of the internet is that, you know, marketplaces and networks have a ton of power and they're kind of getting ignored in the early days of AI. And even in this case at AI wearables. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think it, again, it's, it's a stretch, but the, the idea of having a second brain, we have a lot of tools like notion and Evernote and all those tools have promised it. This is actually, AI is actually the real coming to fruition of that second brain. I've told you about using Bard for G Suite. Just being able to retrieve anything I've talked about really easily. When you start to like plug in AI to the Zoom calls and then you auto export them into Google Docs, now you can retrieve any information you've had in terms of like me and you having a Zoom call. I can retrieve any information from that. But I agree like... But again, it's not too much of a stretch if you think of all these crazy cyclists. They all do the GoPro, yeah, and they're recording everything at all times. And so there's again, yeah, I, don't, yeah I, I think what you're doing is you're making a good point of like, hey, we're actually kind of further along in society here than you think. And while this is going to be a jump, it might not be as big of a jump as most of us would think at like first blush of right. looking at these AI wearables. We'll be right back. But before, let me tell you about another podcast I love, Nudge hosted by Phil Agnew, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Ever notice how the smallest changes can have the biggest impact? On Nudge, you learn simple evidence-backed tips to help you kick bad habits, get a raise, grow a business. Every bite-sized 20-minute show comes packed with practical advice. Nudge is fast-paced, but it's still insightful with real-world examples that you can apply. Oh, and it's the UK's fastest-growing business podcast. If you want an MBA's worth of insight in one podcast, this is the right show for you. Entrepreneurs will love this show because it's filled with repeatable proven studies, not hearsay and one-off success stories. You're going to love the show because I was interviewed by Phil. You can go check out my episode. And I recently listened to an awesome episode. It's called Six Scientifically Proven Persuasion Techniques. It's a must listen for anyone in marketing. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. But where I think this will work is in the second thing we're going to talk about, which is 
something I had not even considered about OpenAI about to raise oh, at $90 billion. Totally. Okay. So as we're going into the last segment of the episode today, I thought of an old prayer that I would always like hear around my computer growing up, which was like, you know, God grant me the acceptance of things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can change, and the wisdom to know the difference. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. God, give me the irrational confidence of Sam Altman. Like, that's that's what I'm looking for here. When I grow up, I just want to have just complete unbridled confidence because Sam Altman, he's selling secondary like an 80 to 90 billion dollar valuation. He's rolling an open AI and he's like, you know what? This ain't enough. I'm going to go hire Johnny Ive to build an AI phone. And well, take on Apple. I'm already taking on Google. I'm partnering with Microsoft. And you know what I'm going to do? I am going to take on Apple in the phone game. That's bananas. When I first heard of this, I thought about like the Facebook promise that they were always going to do a phone. Just another company. You thought it was a joke. Who wants to do the phone? I, th- I thought they were going to try to do it, but I really didn't get what their unique value. Yeah, how why they, they could do it better than iPhone. anybody else. Yes. iPhone is like an incredible device, right? Like incredible. it's entrenched in how we actually use mobile. Uh, iPhone and Android have a monopoly on those two things. Then I started to listen about what their kind of plans were. Like Johnny Ives, what's he known for? What the, what's the iPhone known for? Just an incredible, yeah. minimalistic, elegant design. Johnny right? Ives is the best designer of our generation, of that, our lifetime, right? Yeah. Like we know that to be true. And let's go back to why the iPhone was successful. The iPhone was successful because you had RIM, Research in Motion, which is a company that made a product called BlackBerry. And that had a physical keyboard and what rim and they were the leading smartphone in the world and what rim thought is like look our customers their number one thing they love is this physical keyboard right. and we cannot give up this physical keyboard because we will lose our customer base and that is our advantage and all apple did was say oh you don't need a physical keyboard we can make a great on-screen keyboard make this full touch screen and change the form function and how people use and adopt a phone Right, like and that's what that's yet, what changes, which makes the design much more elegant, much way, more cool, more like something that people actually want to be, you know, seen less seen boxy, yeah. less like like a little yeah. nerdy keyboard yeah. rolling around. And Johnny Ive did that, and with Tony Fidel and a bunch of other people made that happen, and it's persisted for like two decades, right? Like it's pretty incredible. And you're kind of making the case after you dug into the opening iPhone that you're like, oh, I don't know if they'll do it, but I actually see a case where they could have that same kind of disruption. Well, the big thing that don't need in an AI powered phone is, first of all, you don't necessarily need the screen because <laughs> you're just asking an AI to do something for you. And on the back end, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Now, I think humans are still going to need some sort of visual yeah. cue to know things. But you could drastically change that. I mean, you don't need apps. So why does the iPhone look like this? Because you have a wall of apps, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to show the home screen of mine because I don't want to get caught at like the CEO of X not having X on the homepage of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Zapier on my screen. But you do not need apps. You don't necessarily need the same sort of like visual aesthetics to actually interact with all of this data. Yeah. Like there was a, a really good point made by Freeberg on the All In podcast and give him a lot of credit for making me like think through this where he talked about What's happening with AI is functionality is being built into the chat experience, right? So you don't yeah. actually need to go click on all these apps. You just need to ask the chat or the, the AI to and do something for you. And it's done the within the stream. And the AI yeah. is going and doing the app. And it's done all within the stream. Yeah. We, we, we've made this point repeatedly. I made this point for, it's the one thing I've definitely been right about. <laughs> on the Google search engine. He pats himself on the which back. Which is like the AI chatbot pushes everything back one layer. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's doing that work for you. And I think 
that means that you can actually create an entirely new phone that looks very different from the iPhone. And I think the problem with most competitive phones is they still look like the iPhone. There's nothing like fundamentally different about them. But I think if you can create something smaller, more elegant, completely different shape, I am actually bullish on their ability to make some surreal progress that disrupt in the traditional lock. Yeah, the point you're making is like, oh, I understand the principles now that with AI, you could have a very, very different type of phone and mobile device. And I think what we're saying is, I don't know if OpenAI will do it. I don't know if Apple will do it, Microsoft, some other new startup. We don't know who's going to pull it off. Sam is smart in trying to hire the best designer of our generation. I mean, if OpenAI came out with a phone that was designed by Johnny Ive, like, you and I would probably try it. Right. Right. So like that, it would have to be good for us to like continue to use and adopt it. Right. But that's at least progress. We also know that this type of hardware takes like years to get right. So that's going to be bumpy. It's a long, long, long-term it, bet. It's a, it's a long-term bet. But at the same time, if you are a marketer out there, you're an entrepreneur out there, understand that the mobile experience and how we market to people on mobile is going to change a lot over the next decade. It's been pretty consistent for the last decade because the iPhone has been the dominant player in phone and Samsung. And those two phones have very similar functionality and, and work in similar ways. As that changes, how we access, how we reach people is going to change. So it doesn't mean we need to change how we market to people today, but we need to be understanding as these new devices start hitting the market in the next year, two, three, that could have big implications for how we contact our customers, how, like things like email, things like SMS, all of those channels we use today will probably be accessed in very different ways. Right. It's like really the theme of this show is AI isn't just getting integrated into existing software and making that better. AI is creating, will create brand new categories, new category of wearable did not exist pre-AI. AI is more than software. Yeah, it's actually the theme more, of this show. Most of what we talked about with AI has been around AI being software and how it's going to transform software. And whether these wearables are going to be a hit or not doesn't matter, but they are emblematic that AI is going to be much bigger than just software and how we all interact with each other and our customers is going to change more over the next decade than it has in a long time. Right. What device out of all the devices we've talked about, what's the one you would get? Facebook, the meta Ray-Bans, like the humane pin, which is like this weird AI pin that records and does some projecting. It's, it's kind of a VR device. Like I'm not that into it. I don't want the rewind pendant to record all of my movements. There's a couple other like kind of recording devices from startups out there. Not that interested. I'm going glasses. What about you? I'm going glasses. I think that the one thing that I look at and you can just integrate them into your life. And I think they will be actually day one, very, very useful. Now, the only reason I wouldn't use glasses if I need a meta account, a Facebook account, because I don't use Facebook. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to create a Facebook well, account. I also want to say the other thing before we, we go is that the Mark Zuckerberg, Lex Friedman VR uh, interview, if you have not seen that, they did this, go to Lex Friedman's podcast. They've got, and we can clip, we can, I'm sure cut out like a 10 seconds into the show. They're doing basically a live podcast, but through the new Oculus technology. That's basically this very similar to the Apple Vision Pro technology, where it's basically projecting a 3D version of you in this basically metaverse. And they're talking to each other. And Lex is going through and talks about the whole experience of how it's the best in-person, non-interperson interaction he's ever had. And I think it's another good thing. This the, Today's show is really about the future. Right. And that's a good thing to go and look at to see, oh, I could see how we are meeting and interacting like this in the future much, much more. Yeah, it's uh, I love the tweet where someone was 
showcasing it and said they picked the two perfect people to do this because they're expressionless. Yeah. And so when you actually use that technology, what's actually happening is they're scanning your face and doing like three or four expressions. You don't have actually all full facial, you know, all the expressions a human yeah. can do. And so Pig and Lex and Mark were like perfect because they only really have three Hello, or four Hello, I am a robot. Yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. well, like jujitsu. The closest you can get do, to like do, robotic do, do, anyway. Do, do you like jujitsu? I do like yeah, jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> what's your favorite jujitsu move? I like AI and I like computer. Right, like that's kind of what, what what they are like. But so just, I think that's does a good point. show you how early we are in things like remote work. Yes. how we interact oh, with each other across so the early. Globe. Like, it's all going to be done within VR. All right, leave us a comment of which of the new AI wearables you would actually consider using, and if any, and if you're anti AI wearables, we want to hear about that. This has been kind of a little glimpse into the future. We're going to be back real soon with a new episode of Marking Against the Grain. 